Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today. We have our evening with medium events coming up on April 26th, again in August on the 23rd, and our last one is December 13th. April is sold out, but you can still get tickets for August and December. If you're looking for a shorter version of Coffee with the Sarlows, we have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. It's available on the website by sarlow.com. They run in a series of five shows. The first week of every month, Monday to Friday, we pick a theme, usually around our gifts, spiritual intelligence or emotional intelligence, and we give you five mini shows. We hope you love them. And while you're at the website, if you'd like a coffee mug with Sips of Sanity and Coffee with the Sarlo's logo on it, they are for sale there and they are $15 a mug. And last but not least, we have gift certificates and personal sessions available. You can purchase and experience the session from anywhere in the world via Skype, telephone, FaceTime, or Zoom. About 10 years ago, I had a dream that I wanted to have a podcast show where I would have professionals from different health areas like physio and Cairo come in and sit with you and I, Cal, so that we could brainstorm and ask these intellectual people and hopefully also intuitive people because I was really hoping to find a balance. And one of the things that I struggled with in the last 10 years was I struggled with finding people that had that perfect balance. And I really believe today I found them. Oh, I agree. And I know that when we introduce them, another word I want to throw in is integrity. Yeah. So these two women we're going to introduce you to today, you've already heard on our podcast show, where MJ Forget from Gateway Physio and Katrina Neal from Chiropractic Care are invited here today to have this conversation. So I feel like I'm ticking something off on my bucket list today. Yeah, you just jammed them both in the same room. I did. <laughs> Welcome, ladies. Hi. Thank you. So um, if you first of all, if you're listening to this today, we're going to be talking about trauma. And we've invited MJ because she is a pelvic physiotherapist. And Katrina Neal, who is a chiropractor, and we wanted to put these two professions in one room to actually sit down and be able to hear from both perspectives what you see in the body for both male and female. So if you're listening to this, I also want you to know both professionals see children. Mm-hmm. And trauma does happen to our kids. So many people think after a car accident or an incident that it's the adults that have to go get the help and we forget the kids. So I hope that listeners are going to learn from both of you today. Kelly and I are really along for the ride and that we're going to try and ask you guys good questions, but the knowledge is here. So let it begin. Okay, so I'm MJ Farget and I'm a physiotherapist. I've been a physio now since... I'm going to date myself quite a bit. 1995 is when I graduated from university. And I started specializing in pelvic health in about 1997. So I'm at this, you know, for about 23, 24 years. And my practice is primarily men, women, and children who have bladder, bowel issues, and pelvic pain. And it's the pelvic pain that we'll talk about today that's very related to trauma or my my version of what I treat for trauma. Um, and so kids can come and see me. Uh, I have a lot of teenagers who come to see me with pelvic pain and uh, little ones who can come and see me for incontinence issues and, and things like that. So that's where the kids kind of come in. And that's that's all called trauma. 
Well, it's a trauma kind of fits into a lot of the different conditions related to pelvic health. Uh, mostly pelvic pain, though. Less so incontinence and, and things like that. So um, so that's kind of where I'll probably focus uh, the talk today. But that's my practice. So when I started doing pelvic health, I started treating like simple problems like incontinence, constipation, bowel issue, bladder issues. But what was starting to happen is I was starting to get men and women who were coming in with a lot of pelvic pain problems. So vaginal pain, rectal pain, tailbone pain, pain with sexual function. And what was happening is these patients were telling me that they have uh, survived traumatic events, whether it's sexual trauma, emotional trauma, PTSD. And I really felt like I had absolutely no good training, you know, to really deal with that bit, that trauma bit, because I was never taught that in university. I had psychology courses at university, but not anything specific to trauma. Uh, And so I then decided to seek out courses to become what they call a trauma-informed practitioner. And that's only been probably in the last, you know, six to 10 years. And that's because I also see a lot of chronic pelvic pain. And chronic pelvic pain really has a lot of roots in in trauma and psychological trauma. And so I can't treat pelvic pain without considering the emotional well-being of my patients. And I didn't have enough training in that. So I went and sought out courses geared to physios for trauma and foreign practices. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I'm Katrina Neal. I'm a chiropractor here in town and I have been a chiropractor since 1997 when I first started. Um, shortly after that, I uh, started to do some pregnancy and pediatric courses uh, in order to have a little bit of a specialization where kids and pregnant moms are concerned. Um, on a regular basis, we see all sorts of different types of trauma, whether it's physical trauma like falls, car accidents, work injuries, in addition to just uh, your everyday strain, sprain from overuse, sports injuries, um, anything along those lines. So Katrina, can you talk about the differences in how you describe what a trauma is? I hear one in the sense of a vehicle accident, and I hear another one as in if somebody comes in and maybe they've been sexually assaulted. I hear another trauma as in, do you see people who come in for chiropractic care where the trauma is emotional and it's still held in the structure of the body, like the spine and the hips? Okay, that's a complex question. Yeah. As far as trauma goes, there can be a number of different definitions. Um, Everybody is very well aware of a physical trauma. You have a fall, you hurt, you come in to see a chiropractor. There is a lot of other things that overlay on top of that, um, such as emotional traumas, uh, sexual traumas, uh, that type of thing that can unfortunately create even more issues that get more and more set in. It becomes more difficult to treat that kind of situation or patient without knowing some of that background knowledge so that you can be helping to direct them insofar as getting both emotional help in addition to the physical help. So a person could actually be sitting at home thinking that I'm struggling in this relationship and um, how do I, I'm just going to kind of go right out there and say something. So say I'm unhappy in a marriage and I'm still having sex with my partner. I could literally be sleeping so tight and so stressed that when I go to roll over at night, I put my hip out. 
or when I'm sleeping, I'm so stressed that my neck cricks and it locks. So some of the traumas come, I'll say directly as a relation to some of the emotional stuff we live in. And I think some people just aren't aware of that. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I have always said, because we refer almost daily to the two of you with our clientele, I have always said, if you are not giving them the full story, they can do 100% of their job, an adjustment happens, manipulation happens, and you can still walk away not feeling well the next day because the continuous stress that you're holding in the muscles pops the bones right out of place and tightens the muscles back up that MJ may have loosened for you and allowed mobility. There has to be a full scope for you guys to know exactly what you're dealing yeah. with. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in, when I when I think of trauma in, in my practice, you know, again, the statistics are, are pretty significant. You know, if we if we don't realize that most of the patients coming into our practice have had some sort of trauma, we're, we're actually being delusional because I was looking at some of the stats in Canada. When you think of one in three women are sexually assaulted, one in six men, and these are children, so one in six girl, one in three girls, one in six boys. When you think of those statistics, which are significant, um, you know, most of our patients come in and have a story to tell. And if we don't think that that has an impact on their physical well-being, then, then we're, we're really, you know, being delusional as health professionals. And I think this is where we're lacking in knowledge as those of us who do a lot of the physical work and really aren't trained to take in consideration the emotional work that has to go behind uh, making our patients better. Um, and, and the stats are the same for, you know, our military that have PTSD. Like I treat a lot of military moms and military dads who've, you know, have, have gone through some pretty traumatic events in their career, you know, correctional officers, first responders and the OPP officers. And actually there was a study that I was reading that was even saying that nurses and doctors are more at risk of having PTSD than any other health professionals because of what they experience in the hospital doing what they do. And so if you think of all of that and you go, oh my gosh, the vast majority of people coming in to see us for whatever problem they have, have something potentially. And if we don't talk about it, it's relevant. I remember days, MJ, years and decades and decades ago, because I started chiropractic and physio when I was around 14. My parents were very proactive, even way back then, to make sure that I was seeing those types of professionals. And I remember back then, you just walked in, they didn't ask you much, they just did their quick assessment, did the adjustment, or did the physio, and out the door you went. And today, it is far different, because I see the two of you, that is a far cry from what I experienced decades ago. The two of you asked me what's going on. Yeah, and and that was an evolution in my practice, because when I started off, I did exactly that. You came in, you had, you know, an ankle sprain. How did you do it? What makes it work? So it makes it better. Like very, very medical in the approach. And what has had to happen because I, you can't do as good of a job treating patients if you don't kind of look at the trauma bit or the emotional or what's happening in their lives, their stressors, their relationships. And I've had to really change my practice where now I talk less and I listen more. Yes, I have a, a number of patients who will also thank me for the counseling service in addition to the adjustment. Absolutely. Katrina, I know when I'm in in your office, every single time I walk in, 
you sit down at that computer when I'm sitting down on the table and you go through a whole list of questions with me. And it isn't just about what I'm there for in the injury in the pelvic area, which is, you both know, my biggest issue is pelvis. But you ask all kinds of other questions. So you'll say, so what have you been doing? And you even have notes. You'll be typing in all of the notes about the personal stuff. So that if I say something to you six months down the road, you flip up the notes and you'll go, well, six months ago, I told you to do this. Did you get those arm guards so that you wouldn't keep bending your wrist when you sleep at night? And I'm like, oh, thank you for the reminder. So you're checking in. And I think what you're both what you're saying, MJ, is that you guys have to are learning that you have to take it to the next level. And you are. And, and I think it's it's not easy to change our practices, right? It's not easy to change how we've been trained to do our jobs. And, and it's a big paradigm shift. Like, and, and it's something that I still every day continue to work on. But the idea of taking a step back and letting my patients tell me their story and saying to me, you know, what's happening in their lives uh, and probing a little bit more into you know, how are things with your husband, your partner, your children, how are things at work has made me a better clinician because when people know that they're listened to, they're more likely to tell you things that are relevant. So a lot of patients don't think that it's important to tell you about their assault. Right. And they don't think it's relevant. Okay. Can I interject? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I see both of you. Yeah. So when I have seen you, because I remember my year of the pelvis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the year of the pelvis. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm back in reference to the year of my pelvis, I committed to coming and seeing you every two weeks. And then when you gave me the cue, I could come every three, then a month. Mm-hmm. Then we went to two, then three, then four, then six. We built up. And my commitment was to healing all of the pelvic floor muscles from two babies, two cesareans, two rear-end car accidents, emotional stuff I had been through in life that created, quote-unquote, some trauma. When you would be on a muscle and you would ask me what was going on or Mm. what I was thinking about, and I would start talking about a certain family member or a certain financial situation or a certain thing I was going through, whatever it was in my life, I could feel you trying to press into that muscle and it would become really hard. It was like it was fighting back. You try and press in, I my muscle was like, not yet. Yeah. And then as you would talk to me and you would ask me different questions and I could relax and I'll say breathe differently. Yeah. I could feel you deepening into that little muscle and I could feel the spasm starting to let go. So I learned from that afterwards when I'm out at the grocery store or I'm out in other places in my life and I'm starting to feel stressed, or I'm starting to go back into some of those same emotional triggers, I have to think, oh, pelvic floor. Yep. I know that I have to focus on what you told me in those exercises to relax those muscles again. But you had to become aware of that. And that's the problem. And that's trauma, emotional trauma, psychological trauma, I'll speak to that versus kind of the the physical trauma, like a car accident. But when there's emotional trauma, what I learned on my courses is that we disconnect from our body. So if you think of where do we hold our trauma, and, and Katrina can speak to this, we hold trauma in our neck, we get headaches, jaw pain, we grit our teeth, and we tighten our pelvic floor muscles, right? The problem is, is that if you're disconnected 
because you've had PTSD or trauma, you don't know that you're tightening. You're not aware of it. So what I've had to learn over the years is my job is to make you aware where you're holding tension by touching that muscle and saying, okay, you feel that, that's sore. Okay, but why is it sore? Why is it hanging on? Why is it tensing up? There's always a reason behind it. Um, Especially because the people that come to see me don't have a lot of physical injury, right? Because they're seeing me for menstrual issues and you know, pelvic pain, which is not a fall or an injury, right? It's not that clear cut like some of the cases that Katrina would be seeing. So I say there's always something that's holding on to your attention. So what's happening? What's the story? And so I'll often tell patients, okay, this pain started three years ago. What was happening to you three years ago? Mm. Oh, I went through a divorce and my child has substance abuse. Like there's something. Mm -hmm. And then people go, oh, it all happened at that same time, Mm -hmm. right? For sure. And I think the other thing in having people share this type of story with us also allows us some uh, comprehension of what they're going through or what they've been through in addition to empathy Mm -hmm. for our patients. And it makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. because not only are they being helped work through the physical aspects of things, but we can also direct them insofar as what resources are out there available Mm -hmm. in addition to what we can provide just by listening. Absolutely. Because it's, you know, we have to respect our own boundaries as professionals. I'm not a social worker. I'm not a psychologist, right? So if somebody presents with trauma and we recognize it, we've identified it, but that person's never been and sought any help. And our job is to make sure they're, they're seeing the right people in our community, the social workers and the psychologists that are trained to really treat trauma and PTSD, let's say, as an example. But we have to recognize that it's happening. But where we help as uh, the physical practitioners is helping you understand that when you have trauma or stress or anxiety, you're holding that in your body somewhere. So if you've had pelvic pain for years and you've seen three gynecologists and two urologists and there's tension, you know, I always go back to, well, why? What was happening when this all happened? And for some people, only some people, patients don't have trauma, but the vast majority will have had something happen in their life in that moment. And then your body hangs on to that because you're in fight or flight. I love that this is coming up about thoughts too, because we are having Sally Winston on the show in April and she has an entire clinic in Maryland. And she wrote a book on overcoming obsessive intrusive thoughts. Mm. And what I, I wanted to segue into, which you did a great job of both of you, is that I had trained myself at one point to avoid disassociating with my body. And so every time I would have an intrusive obsessive thought, I would think, oh, I better check my butt muscles. Or I would actually say in my head, oh, that person makes me want to clench my ass. And so it was, it was, no, it's great. It was my tool to remind myself to actually. Is that that funny look you give me? (laughs) Not you. It's my reminder to myself to check in with my body. And even if I'm sitting in the car and I have a thought that comes in about, you know, as, as you're mentioning something that happened maybe four and five, five years ago, I wiggle my toes to make sure I'm not clenching my feet. I'll wiggle my fingers, I'll shake out my, my shoulders, I'll do a shoulder check t- for my posture to make sure my ears aren't up like earrings, right? And so that dialogue that I ended up creating in my head 
was the thing that allowed me to remind myself to check in with my body. And I will say out loud in the car with no one in it other than my dog, oh, I need to book my appointment with Katrina. I can't lower these damn shoulders. (laughs) And so I know that it's beyond me at that point and I need to seek my resources. Absolutely. And another good trick is uh, tell yourself to soften. Soften. Oh, we yeah. do say relax. That. We relax. say like, uh, relax your bones yeah. or soften, soften your eyeballs. Soften is nice because relax is sometimes, for some patients, relax is tough, right? Because they're like, I'm trying, I'm trying to relax, right? So, but softening, soften your jaw, soften your shoulders. But you got to get to the root of the problem. Why can't you soften your shoulders? Why can't you soften your jaw? Where is that coming from? And and that's what we don't do really well in our professions is kind of asking those questions. We're afraid to ask those questions to patients. We're afraid to kind of go there. Uh, Maybe because we don't feel prepared for what people are going to tell us. Right? Because emotionally for us, if you divulge to me that you have had a sexual assault Mm -hmm. and you go into detail and I'm not trained to know what to do with that information, that's also hard on me. Mm-hmm. hearing that mm-hmm. yeah and because as health professionals even if it's outside of your scope of practice at a certain point while your brain is going oh my god what do I say how do I respond we are trained to put the client at ease mm-hmm. and sometimes we can't draw the healthy boundary to say okay at this point I need to refer you exactly and and it's knowing those boundaries are really important but also knowing what to say in the moment that a patient tells you something that is of high value because it takes mm-hmm. so much courage for someone to tell you something that they've held so private for so long that if you don't know what to do with that you could actually be a detriment to that person's because if mm-hmm. you if you don't answer in a certain way then they will lose trust even more so in health professionals, right? And this is where the training comes into play. And we're not taught that in university, which is really unfortunate because we're all touching people, physios, chiros, massage therapists. And we're not trained how to how to handle situations where somebody could say something to us. But we're also not trained to recognize those symptoms of this person may have had trauma they're not telling me they're having trauma, but I can see that they're really uncomfortable on my table. And how do I broach that subject? Because there's evidently something going Well, yeah. And like you said, you're touching people and touch is often one of the number one sources of trauma. Mm -hmm. It's a trigger, right? It's it's a big trigger. And the other, I mean, the other piece is we're also trying to build that trust Mm -hmm. in the doctor-patient relationship. And so that if we are trying to build that trust, they tell us something that we're not prepared to handle or we, as MJ says, we respond in the exact opposite way that sends that person into a tailspin. It can create even more emotional trauma that's just going to uh, build those walls back up 10 yeah. times. So does this come in uh, your extensive training after graduation where you get to take more courses afterwards from my perspective that's exactly what okay. it was so there's uh when you specialize in pelvic health there's actually trauma courses that you can choose to take okay um that are available which is really great i mean i learned a lot i mean a lot of the stats on sexual assaults were overwhelming i mean you listen to that and it's really challenging and you look at the ptsd stats 
you kind of go, oh my gosh, you know, we have a lot more people walking around Mm -hmm. with a little bit of hurt, you know, that if that we need to learn how to talk about it, because what gets rid of trauma is speaking about trauma Mm -hmm. and getting people to reconnect with our body, right? And as the people that touch people, we're actually well-placed to help people reconnect with our body. Mm -hmm. So they can work with their therapist for all the emotional work that they need to do which I'm not qualified to do because I'm not a psychologist or a social worker, but I can certainly kind of play a role in helping them connect with their body to get rid of their migraines and pelvic pain and all that kind of stuff, which is what I tend to see, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a big link with trauma and a lot of pelvic issues, menstrual issues and all that kind of stuff for women specifically, yeah. Mm -hmm. So is that true for you then as well, Katrina? Is that not part of fundamental training for chiropractic care? So as with physio in chiropractic, we did take courses on psychology. Uh, However, there was no specific, uh, we we had sensitivity courses so that we're sensitive Mm -hmm. to the fact that other people have different backgrounds than we do. Mm -hmm. So saying something that may feel innocent and completely um, well-intentioned well-intentioned okay. may impact somebody in a very different way than it would impact ourselves okay. so the with myself I've not done any additional training specific to trauma particularly emotional trauma other than just doing a lot of work with regards to stress management recommendations in order to have people recognize what their bodies are doing in response to their stress Uh, working with proper nutrition, supporting ourselves in many different ways. So proper exercise, proper nutrition, proper rest, taking time out for yourself. So even though I don't have specific training with regards to specific traumas, I think the key is, is listening to people and having them feel heard, directing them if they need to be directed. Because, again, we are not psychologists, we're not psychiatrists. That's not our job. Our job is to hear people and to help them to get, you know, whether it's the help that we can provide ourselves or incorporate other health practitioners that can help to provide that healthcare team. Mm-hmm. Something that I've loved in the experience and seeing both of you over the years is that there's always been an encouragement to have a health team together. Mm -hmm. It has never been, well, you should just be doing this. Well, I think this is the one answer. It has always been, who's your team? Who did you see last? Who's your next step? And I see that you even tell us good order. Um, I, I know I've said to you multiple times, Katrina, should I see my massage therapist before I come in and see you? And you'll say, yep, this time that would be a good idea. Or nope, let's get you in one more time and it'll be easier on the massage therapist. Um, so I think that's phenomenal. Katrina, can you explain um, what part, chiropractically speaking, is in the pelvis? So is it the thoracic spine, the lumbar spine, the tailbone, the SI joints? What's in there? Okay, so from a, from a mechanical perspective, your pelvis is, it consists of your sacrum, your ilium, which is connected to the ischium. Um, your coccyx is a continuation of the sacrum. And then above your sacrum is your lumbar spine, which also has above that your thoracic spine. Everything is all connected from the tip of your toes to the top of your head. When you look at the connective tissue, there's always a connection from one area to the other. So you can't really isolate 
one area from another at any point in time. However, there are, um, when we're talking about pelvic issues, not only do we have to look specifically at the pelvic, pelvis itself, we look at the sacroiliac joints, we look at the symphysis pubis, and we look at the hip joints. You can have referred pain from the hips down to the knees or the ankles. You can also have referred pain going the opposite direction. You can have referred pain going from the junction between your thorax and the lumbar spine that will create a radiation pattern down to both sacroiliac joints uh, and can also wrap right around into the um, groin area. So it is, as much as we're talking about pelvis and pelvic trauma, it's all connected. Oh, and I know MJ's released muscles for me, and my knee pain is obviously gone. And I'm like, how did that it's happen? All connected. It's yeah. all connected. Now, Katrina, I love that it was a very technical answer. If I am just taking my thumbs and index fingers and pointing and touching my own body, what does that actually include? So for someone looking on the outside, what am I touching to know is my pelvis? Okay. So when people talk about putting their hands on their hips you're basically putting your hands on the top of your pelvis. When people are talking about your sits bones, what you sit on, that's kind of the bottom of the pelvis. When you put your hands kind of over... The largest part of my hips. Over the widest part of your hips. Then you're going to connect with your hip, your your actual where the femur meets the acetabulum, which is part of the pelvis. Okay. And my back, Mm -hmm. like the dimples, the eyes, is that... that part of the pelvis as well so the dimples are are basically right around the sacroiliac joints okay which is part of the pelvis awesome because I'm I'm listening and I'm thinking for people who who are just hearing the technical terms I don't know where that is it could be in my ear for all I know okay (laughs) Um, just for someone like myself so so you have an an image for anyone who's listening of what exactly we're we're looking at I know MJ when I've been in your room and in Katrina's room that you guys will go into the psoas muscle. Yeah. In the, uh, would you call that in the pubic area? Kind of groin. You can kind of almost think of it like the groin area. Okay. And that when you are releasing it, and you, because you've both done it for me, that you will actually move up my stomach just, is that correct? Just to underneath my ribs. I call this my Tourette's muscle. The Tourette's muscle. (laughs) Because they're both my favorite and least favorite person in the day when they touch this. <laughs> and words just fly out of my mouth that are not appropriate. Yeah, I know, I'm getting the visual. <laughs> I totally understand why. I just never heard of that. But I get it because when they, when, when they both do their work to release that muscle, I can feel relief all the way up, almost right under my breastbone. And so I'm trying to get a description of this for people to understand how much, which is what you're saying, how much the pelvis contributes to pain all over our body. Mm-hmm. So some mm-hmm. people might think, oh, I don't have any hip issues. Oh, I don't. I never put my hip out. I don't know what they're talking about. But they have pain that's been referred. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And the psoas muscle is pretty much the largest muscle in the body. It comes, it stems from the front of the lumbar vertebrae and it comes down and attaches to another muscle called the iliacus that is on the inside of the pelvis and then they both come down together and attach right in the groin. Am I, sorry. Oh, sorry. Am I correct in saying that it actually is the muscle that holds your upper and lower body together? 
it, it's definitely a, like a, a stabilizer. Like it works okay. really hard in holding you up during okay. the day for sure. And for pelvic issues, uh, in terms of what I see is a lot of my women who have gynecological pelvic pain, a lot of the conditions that I treat, endometriosis, PCOS, these are muscles because it's, it's kind of like right kind of behind your ovaries lateral to your uterus it often with menstrual cramps and all of those kinds of conditions that i look at are muscles that tense up in response to a lot of the conditions that we have uh, as women so i went to see my massage therapist today (laughs) amanda yates who's also been on this show and this is the muscle that she says that she was working in today yep and she actually showed me the whole path of it on a nice little chart and did some wonderful slash horrible work (laughs) to help release it and i know after seeing you that this is an issue that i'll say i work on on a daily basis so i want people to be able to hear that it is a daily basis thing and that when you've had trauma it can be a daily basis for the rest of your life thing that you're dealing with it that doesn't mean every day is going to be horrible it means that there may be some flare-ups but that you get the tools and you get all of these people to help you so that you can have a good quality of life. And one of the things to think of is it's when you've had trauma, your healing is non-linear, which means that you're going to have lots of good days, like you said, but a day where you've had an emotional day, a trigger, a stressor, uh, a flashback, whatever, your physical symptoms are going to be a little bit worse that day. But if you have the tools in your toolkit to dampen that stress response, then the physical response is going to reduce as well, right? So that goes beyond just even giving the stretches, right? So a lot of times I'll say to my patients, you need a toolkit. You have to recognize why did that day get so bad for you that your psoas is tight or your neck muscles are tight or your shoulders are up Mm -hmm. to your ears. Recognize what happened to you that day and what are you going to do about it? Okay, so my answer, just so that people can follow along in the show today, was I went to Zumba. Yeah, yeah. And I had a really good time. And I said to Amanda, no regrets. Go ahead and dig in. Yeah. (laughs) No regrets. I will be back for this again, probably. And so sometimes, as people can hear, it's not always that your trauma is re-triggered by another trauma or a flashback, but sometimes you can just be out having fun and it gets triggered. How about on a day like today in Northern Ontario, where you have a near slip on the ice and yeah, every muscle in your body yeah. wants yeah. to hold you up? And, and I, I want to point that out because there are people out there that say, well, if something happened to you, you must have, you must have drawn that to yourself to learn a lesson. Yeah. I just want them to hear that you can go on and be healthy yeah. and still need to see your practitioners and still be able to do your, so what did I do? I got on my tennis ball and I rolled the way that you taught me laying on the floor I rolled on the tennis ball until I could go deeper and deeper until I could get in to see all of my people again so when you say you get your tools my tennis ball yeah breathing maybe meditation my, maybe yeah. yoga like it's what it's whatever helps you decrease that response that day because we all have stress every day it's not trauma all over again but it's just daily stress but when you have had trauma you're primed to have an increased stress response. So that means that if I have never had trauma and something bad happens to me, my body isn't going to have as big of a reaction. I may have some tension, but if you've had trauma in your past that you've never dealt with, 
and you hold tension in your body because of it. And then you and go do something that doesn't seem to be very, you know, um, uh, dangerous, you'll have a bigger response to it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's so good for people to hear because we don't want to feel like we have to live in a in a glass house or in an eggshell. We're always terrified of re-injuring ourselves. It's good to know that you've got your tools and that you have your team. Yeah, and, and those tools are important. Yeah, because I think it can be very easy for your body, like you're saying, to go, oh my God, this feels a lot like something I've experienced in the past. And that's where the mental work of resilience needs to come in of, that's okay, I'm safe, this is how it's different, these are the new tools I have since that has occurred. Yeah, it's recognizing that your body has developed a hypervigilance right? It's like a CEO who wants to micromanage everything, right? What's happening now? What are you doing today? What are you looking at? What are you thinking of? Are you going to step on that? Don't step on this. Are you going to do that exercise? Don't Mm -hmm. do that exercise. And it's that that inner kind of talk that happens with people who've had trauma. And it's learning to kind of stop that self-talk. And then that reduces the hypervigilance. And when that hypervigilance decreases, so does the muscle tension. Right. So Wes, Sally Winston... (laughs) Her show is going to follow you guys. Yeah. It's funny because reading the first 50 pages of The Power of Now, have you yeah, read that? Yeah, yeah. It talks about that very thing where you yeah. basically, you when you have those crazy thought patterns going on in your brain over and over and over again, first of all, it drains the heck out of your energy mm-hmm. um, and, and it creates more and more stress and stress response. If you can just stop, recognize and kind of go, oh, what is it that is making me crazy? recognize it write it down do what you can about it in that moment and then let it go walk and away if you can yeah. keep stopping that thought process it again it's much healthier mm-hmm. the tension decreases softens, yeah yeah right it softens um and, and things can resolve yeah i think of it like um tossing the broom in the bicycle wheel you might need to fly over your handles <laughs> to just have a little bit of like oh okay i'm not in the loop again And then you can kind of pick yourself up and and keep going. And people who have a lot of those intrusive thoughts and that hypervigilance and and can't get past it, they need to go for CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what a psychologist would do. And that's the training to change those thoughts. That can be a part of your team. That is part of the team, yeah. And so there's there's things that we're looking for that, okay, that's this person needs to really learn the skill set with CBT to really stop that self-talk because that's what perpetuates the tension. So I say to people, I can work on you till I'm blue in the face and stretch your psoas and stretch your neck and work on your pelvic floor. But if the problem is your thoughts and you can't sort that out, the tension's going to keep coming back. So you have to deal with the emotional component so that we can get the physical to stop as well. And so, and that's, people don't recognize the link between those two, you know, and, and I don't want people to keep coming to see me forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, there needs to be, there's a reason for why you have pain. And if the pain is emotionally based because of things that have happened to you in your past, that has to get dealt with. And that is just as important, if not more important than my physical bit. Right. And so and that and people, you know, they need to hear that because you can't separate the mind and the body. You can't you can't separate the two. It's impossible. It's really a beautiful day in my world to hear two people that I would refer to as being in science, in medicine, in health issues, say those things because decades ago, this conversation wouldn't have happened. 
Mm -hmm. I would have got laughed at to have this kind of conversation and ask professionals to come to it. So it's a, it's a beautiful day. Yeah. And we have, sorry to interrupt, but we have now research to back that up. That's the other great thing, right? You know, it used to be kind of thought as being kind of hokey pokey talking about this stuff, but now there's enough valid medical research that validates this and one of the big ones um, is called the ACE study the adverse childhood experience and this is a medical study where they took they actually followed children that have had trauma and their trauma was defined by sexual trauma psychological trauma medical trauma so think of kids who have cancer right who get hospitalized Mm -hmm. and spend a lot of time in hospital so medical trauma not meaning that the medical team didn't do a good job but their experience of having to go through a medical Uh, situation themselves as children and then having a parent with substance abuse so that's how they defined trauma Mm. and what they did is they followed him to adulthood and what they noticed is that the kids that had those experiences as as children ended up with more cardiovascular disease more diabetes more pelvic pain more chronic pain and more cancer one of or all of like one of or all of those situations in terms of and what the oh, children no, just ended one, up with. just one like okay. they, didn't, they didn't have like, to have oh all my of that God. no but so their their definition of trauma was broad mm-hmm. yeah. and so and this was a medical research and so they were floored by how much having these experiences as children increased the risk of all of these what they call we call chronic disease like diabetes cardiovascular disease and chronic pain and all that kind of stuff and um and so you know the point of all of that is to say we have to recognize the importance of trauma because the cost to our healthcare system diabetes cardiovascular disease chronic pain Mm -hmm. is is out of control and it stems back for you know we need to help these kids like when, when we recognize something has happened to a child how about we intervene at that time mm. and maybe if we do a better job of that they're not going to become our adults that are seeking most of our medical care mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if we start with chronic pain and low back pain don't even get started with opiates and all the craziness of that right you know and that, and that was part of their study so now we have this study that really illustrates how important this is. And what they did in that study, which was really interesting, is they they said, we'll just let people talk about their experience. We'll let them talk. So they let them talk. And when they followed those people that they let them talk and they kind of talked them through, is they saw a reduction in healthcare costs because they got better just by talking. Mm. And being listened to. And being listened to. Mm-hmm. And how powerful is that? Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease. We're talking about, you know, the tangible medical problems and just letting people talk about, finally letting them explain what happened to them to process what happened. Reduce the seeking of healthcare costs. I love that this show is actually following uh, the show that we did on the law, the universal law of responsibility. Yeah, And I kind of wanted to go backwards to a couple different um, points that we had just made about um, if you're you know, you're adjusting or you're manipulating the body in ways till you're, as you said, blue in the face. Some people will go over and over again to one or two kinds of health practitioners. And no matter how many times you do a good job of referring to the psychological component, they don't seek it out. 
And they continue using their story to say, oh, well, I see these healthcare professionals and I have chronic issues. And it becomes their story instead of their actual story being the trauma and sharing it with the right professionals. And the reason I bring this up and link it to the law of universal law, pardon me, of responsibility is that if you're in a partnership with someone who has used their own trauma as their story and they're only committing to the physical aspect and they know that they need the psychological, you have put yourself in a position of being overly responsible. And your partner has said, I relinquish my adult responsibilities. Hmm. Remember, I think I'm on the same track as you. I remember coming to a point in my life where um, I was seeking the professionals to help me with my pelvic pain. And once I found that team, I felt super lucky. I felt unbelievably lucky to be in a small Northern Ontario community and find so many competent people. Mm-hmm. So I felt fortunate that, and I remember kind of sitting back and taking a breath and relaxing and thinking they're going to fix me. I'm finally in the right hands. They're going to fix me. And holy shit, did I get my ass kicked? Because then it was a question of from Katrina and all of you and all of these different people in my life saying, so how do you stretch? So how do you do this? So how do you do that? So do you do your breathing? So do you do? And it became a my list. Your homework. It Absolutely. And I jumped on board and did all of my homework. And she, Kelly knows I do my homework every day. So that when I actually am in one of your offices, and you say, what have you done? Or what are you working on? I know my list of what I've done. I feel like I deserve to see the professionals. I deserve to be there because I am doing my part. And and I'll include too in part of your homework, also tied into the psychological aspect of your health is you debrief. So as two professionals, we will sit down together and discuss how we were treated by our clients that day. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were respected, mm-hmm. if we felt excited, or if we felt extreme empathy where we needed to just connect to each other so that you have an opportunity to process the whole wide range of emotions that you go through in a day. And I know too that there have been times before you've stepped out the door to go to one of these appointments with these lovely women and said, I need to debrief so that my adjustment will take. Oh, yeah. And, and that is part of the process, debriefing. Mm-hmm. Now, debriefing only really works when you're doing it with someone who's an actual active listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's not easy for a lot of health professionals to do because we don't take the time, right? If you think about a typical medical appointment, you know, I've got five minutes, what's your one complaint, right? And, 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 that, and there's a problem in our healthcare system that we don't take the time. And I think the advantage of being chiros and physios is we do have the time. We can take the time. We can sit down and just chat for, you know, as much as you need to. Um, and that's really important. And, and that's as therapeutic as anything else that we do. Uh, taking the time to do that active listening and really paying attention to what patients are telling us. Like, And that's not easy to do, but it's essential for the success of their treatment to do that. Before my current physician, um, I had other physicians that only had 10 minute rule like it was taped to the table it literally said you have 10 minutes for your session you may only discuss one item at a time please rebook if you have more than one issue and 
it like and then I would go to see one of the two of you where with Katrina I'd have limitless time almost you never push me out of your office you might have other people booked and you keep me on track but I never feel it mm-hmm. because you're listening and MJ I know I have half an hour with you so I walk in the door and I know that I can lay on the table and let the muscles do the relaxing do the visualizing and do all of that now currently with a new physician I don't have that I do get heard which is wonderful there has been an yes so that's why I'm saying what a change and I don't know if the medical community meaning medicine as in the DRs Mm -hmm. of of um family physicians I should specify that the maybe the family physicians are starting to realize that they have to give people more than 10 minutes I, I there's a lot of challenges I think in those practices that I think a lot of them want to. Oh, absolutely. You I'm know, not saying they don't want but to. But there's restrictions, I think, provincially in terms yeah. of what they get paid for it and remuneration. That is, you know, a whole other conversation. Yeah. Uh, whereas we're not as restricted by those rules because we don't, we're not part of that same association. So we have a little bit more leeway in how we set up our days, a little bit more flexibility yeah. to give people time. Okay, so getting right into the nitty gritty of the pelvic trauma I want to ask both of you if you have access in your professions to being able to access for your patients um, other tests and other protocols that other professionals do and could share with you so can you ask to see someone's x-ray or an MRI or a CAT scan so that you can do a chiropractic adjustment or you can do pelvic health MJ so I'd like both of you to answer okay um, from a chiropractic perspective, we are able to just send in a release form signed by the patient and a witness into the hospital. We can access x-rays, we can access MRIs, CAT scans, blood work, um, which in fact does absolutely help us to again guide not only their physical health care, but it also helps us give recommendations with regards to nutrition, hydration, exercise, all of those types of things. So there is definitely um, pretty decent communication from the hospital, from Algonquin Medical Lab, that can help with the overall care of the patients. When a patient comes in to see me, I want to know who they're seeing, right? So if they're seeing Katrina, or they have a massage therapist, or a naturopath, if they've seen a gynecologist, a urologist, and I try to get my hands on on reports because I want to just get a sense of what's been done because a lot of people can't remember all the tests that have been done or, or nor the results. Um, and then I always ask permission, same thing, you get a release form. And I actually want to, you know, if I try, I try to send a report to everybody, like I try to send a note saying, I'm seeing this patient and this is what I found. So there's open communication because we don't work in the same office as a team, but I always say, I'm willing to work with anybody in the community that's working with you, your chiropractor, your massage therapist, your psychologist, your social worker. So I'll reach out to those people. I, I, with the, with the pelvic issues that I'm, that I deal with. And again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more concentrated into pelvic health, but because there's a lot of sexual trauma, I do tend to want to talk to the social workers and the psychologist because I find the communication between the two of us is really helpful, right? Because if your issue is like, uh, I'm, I'm not able to have sexual intercourse because it hurts too much and there's been a sexual trauma. I need to be able to communicate with the psychologist to say, what are you working on and how do I complement what you're doing and what do I need to be careful of when this patient comes in that I'm not going to trigger a response? 
to get back to normal sexual function if that's something we're working on. So I get that release form just like Katrina does. And I include the, the social workers and the psychologists if I, if I can, because um, they're part of the team as well. And, and they really don't know much about what we do, really, right, at the end of the day, you know, so. Unless they've seen a character. Unless themselves, exactly, or, yeah. exactly. So, and, and so I say, you know, our job is to work as a team and communicate amongst ourselves. Um, and I think we, Katrina and I do a really good job of, of that, you know, and, um, but again, you have to be willing to play in this, in, in the, what's that expression? In the same sandbox. In the same sandbox, right? And some professionals, unfortunately, want to covet their patients, right? And so I think our approach is a little different. We're like, I don't, it's okay that you're seeing all these different people because we're all contributing differently. But as long as we're communicating, we're going to get you better faster because everybody's kind of pulling in their knowledge and that's really important Mm -hmm. yeah so we've covered all the topics that we had um, and the questions that we had kind of prepared for both of you but is there anything else that you wanted to add maybe that we didn't know to ask I'll I'll word it that way Um, the only thing I would add is MJ had mentioned she doesn't want patients to be seeing her forevermore she wants to see them progress she wants to see them get better Uh, as a chiropractor our goal is always for the for the health and the benefit of the patient as well. However, our goal is not only to help them to deal with acute issues that come and go and that can uh, flare up or, or calm right down, but our, our other goal is to try to encourage people to maintain healthy habits lifelong. And part of healthy habits lifelong, again, is nutrition, exercise, hydration, good rest, but chiropractic can be a part of a lifelong healthy habit as well. Okay. Now that kind of brings me just to my very last impromptu question is, do you both deal with insurance companies? Because I know for some people who maybe have never been through a trauma, have never been through a big accident, they might not know how to access you if they are in a position where they feel it's not affordable. And that's... That's an, not an easy question because if you're, if you're right. lucky enough that where you work, you have benefits for chiro and physio, then you're good. You've got coverage for physiotherapy. If you've been in a car accident, there's a lot of forms to fill out and then you get coverage for physiotherapy and chiropractic and massage and exercise if you've had a car accident. Okay. Okay. So anybody with a car accident definitely has coverage of just a lot of paperwork to do. Um, if you haven't had a car accident, but you've had any injuries and you can come see a car and a physio, but then hopefully you have insurance. Otherwise you're paying out of pocket. And this is the, the difficulty in the jobs we do because we do have a lot of patients who unfortunately don't have the capacity to pay for their therapy sessions. And that's challenging. And, and that's, that's the, um, the reality of our healthcare system, the reality of being in Northern Ontario when we have a lot of people who live on the poverty line in North Bay uh, who make only minimum wage, and it's challenging. So sometimes ODSP, um, Ontario Works, will cover for physio and chiro. Um, not always easy to get coverage, but it's, it's doable. But I always tell people there's, there's a way to make this work you know, for everybody. So nobody kind of falls through the crack, but, um, uh, but it, it, but it is a challenge for coverage, you know, whereas when you go see a doctor, you don't technically have to pay. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, is that true in your practice as well, Katrina? Uh, Yep. Everything that MJ just said basically is very similar with regards to chiropractic. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also workplace injuries that can be covered under WSIB. Um, And just as far as physio goes, 
do you not have coverage for kids under the age of 16 and over the age of 65? Only certain uh, clinics are going to have the OHIP, like an OHIP kind of accommodation, I think under 18, over 65. And they only cover, the unfortunate thing is it's only $300, which... Doesn't last you long. It doesn't, doesn't last far. you long, but you know, it's better but, than nothing. Yeah. So if you are listening, that, that yeah. Can so there be accessible. are there are some, and uh, but they haven't provided that to every physio clinic. So it's only certain clinics, and they don't cover it for pelvic health. Like so, it's more for standard, you know, typical orthopedic mm-hmm. physio. Um, I feel like the pelvis is pretty standard. <laughs> yes, you would think so, yeah. but you know, it, it's again, it's not, you know, it, it's not a common. It's not what we commonly think when you're thinking about traditional physiotherapy, right? So um, we should make the pelvis more of a conversation. Yes, yes, yeah. Or pelvic issues, even like, <laughs> yes. you, know, you know, women's health issues and men's health issues and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's changing. It's just, again, you know, there's there's finite finite funding from the government to to pay for a lot of this in Canada we'll speak to Canada because I know you have you know listeners from all over the world but in Canada there is finite uh, money you know for health care so people have to decide where they want to prioritize their health you know and make choices but we can accommodate where we can to make it work for people Okay. Well, thank you both so much. I It's such a wonderful privilege to have you guys on the show. We are constantly learning from you, whether it's in our basement recording or it's in your offices on a weekly or biweekly basis. So yeah, thank, thank you very you much. Both. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a beautiful Saturday.